0: Sachem Perek Base, Mishnah Gimel two three. We continue to discuss the differences between chametz owned by a Jew and a non Jew over Pesach. So Mishnah says, Nachri shehilva es al If a Gentile lent money to a Jew, and the loan was made with collateralized by the Jew's chametz, after Pesach After Pesach, that chametz is May, a Jew may get benefit from it. Now, what's the backstory here? What's the picture? The story is that the Jew needed to borrow money, so the Gentile said, "Listen, what's your collateral?" The Jew says, "Here, I got a, I need a hundred bucks. Here's my bottle of, what? Uh, it's my bottle of Glenlivet 18." And the Gentile took that Glenlivet 18 as the collateral. So now, if under two specific conditions, as set forth by Rava and the Tahalacha, that a the Jew gave physically over that Glenfiddich to the Gentile, the chometz. So now the it's out of the Jew's uh, it's out of the Jew's possession. And number two, when the, the deal was made, the contract stipulated that if the Jew fails to repay his hundred dollar loan, so then that chometz retroactively belongs to the Gentile from before Pesach, at the time of the loan. In such a scenario, in the event that the Jew defaults, and the Glen Fittich becomes the Gentiles, and retroactively it was his from before Pesach, and it was in his possession, the Gentiles' possession, over Pesach, so then after Pesach, the Gentile could... Give the Jew a from the Glenfiddich, and the Jew could drink it, no problem, because since the Jew didn't own it over Pesach retroactively and didn't have it in his possession, then he is—it's not considered a chametz avlo Pesach. If you'd missed one of those two criterion, two criteria, meaning either if the Jew had it on his premises. So then, the Jew was responsible to protect it and ensure that the collateral is, you know, safe and sound. And would, if something would happen to it, he'd be responsible. Since he has responsibility, the Jew has responsibility for that chametz. So then, it's like he owns it in part. So then, it would be chametz alav al- al- Pesach. And similarly, if it was owned by the Jew over Pesach but only became the Gentiles after Pesach upon failure to repay the loan, so then over Pesach itself was owned by a Jew, and therefore it would be considered chametz alav al- al- Pesach. Would be asr bahana. But assuming both those criteria met, so then. The Jew could get benefit from the chametz that was retroactively owned by the Gentile over Pesach. Um, the Shulchan Aruch is like the Ravid that this is true as I described it. The Rambam understands that the loan had to be um, payable from before Pesach. Okay, fine. Similarly, says the Mishnah, the converse case: if you have the Yisrael, the Jew, shehilva es hanachri al chametzo the Jew lent $100 to the Gentile. And as collateral, the Jew took the Glen 18-year from the Gentile and put it in his cupboard. And the condition at the time of the loan was that if the Gentile fa- fails to repay, so then retroactively from the time of the loan, already the Jew owns that chametz. So then even though, let's say, Pesach is over, Let's say the loan was made on the, just to illustrate the point. The loan was made on the 1st of Nisan. The loan is due on the 30th of Nisan, meaning before and after Pesach. Now, the Jew has the Gentiles' chametz. If on multi-Pesach you make Havdalah, at that point, if the Gentile would say, or anyone would say, who's when is is in your cupboard, the Jew would say, it belongs to, to the Gentile. It's the collateral for the loan I gave him. Even though, come, you know, seven days later, the Gentile fails to pay back the debt, and then, so therefore now the whiskey becomes the Jews, and retroactively was his from before Pesach, that's the point I'm getting at here. Retroactively now, since it was failed to be repaid the loan, the retroactively, the hummets belongs to the Jew from before Pesach, even though in multi pesach you said it's still the gentile, still it is considered to be chametz that was owned by a Jew and Asr Bahana. Okay. Fine. So that's that. Now the new the next line of the Mishnah is like a new like, like a new Mishnah, if you will. Um we had said that you have to destroy your Pesach and be or could be according to the Kham and the Halacha. Even throwing it into the sea. Once it's in the sea, it's irretrievable, it's gone. So, what happens if instead of being thrown into the sea, a building collapses on your Chametz and now it's under all the rubble? Do you need to dig it out from under the rubble to destroy it? Or can the fact that it's buried under rubble be the equivalent of beer and it's destroyed and lost? So, the Mishnah says, Chametz shenafla alav If you have Chametz upon which a building collapsed, it says, If that Hametz has been destroyed already. Since it's inaccessible, it's as good as gone. It's like being scattered to the window, thrown to the sea. Rabbi Shimba Omer. Rabbi Shimba Gamila is coming now, not to argue, but just to explain further that when is that true, that it's good as gone, if it's under the rubble? That assumes that a dog can't go and sniff it out and pull it out from the rubble. If it would still be accessible to a dog, the concern is sometime over a Pesach, the dog could indeed pull it out through another rubble, and then all sorts of things could go wrong, of course, right? The, the hamet's down in the open, you have it, you see it, it can be eaten, etc. So different, all things can go wrong. So therefore, Rabbi Shimon and is saying, it's true that it's as if it was destroyed, but only if it's inaccessible to a dog. And the Gemara speaks out, that means it's buried at least three tefachim deep underground. The dog wouldn't dig out something that's more than three tefachim buried underground. So as long as the rubble is three tefachim high above the chomets, and it's inaccessible to a dog, so then it's considered to be destroyed, and no need to do any further beer or, or bit of that matter um, for that buried chomets.